everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters. Life is a journey. Travel it well. My name is Matt, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew, how are you today, and what are you drinking? I am very fine, and I am polishing off the Oma Gang Abbey Ale. Still double ale. That. Yeah, dude, these these bombers. Uh, at, at 8.2%, man, I was getting a little, uh, a little, buzz? little tipsy before, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just drinking water now because I finished my coffee, and... I wish I could drink beer, but as I'm not drinking beer this month, I'm not doing it. I know it's weak, but I need to lose weight. I'm going on a trip uh, in July, a road trip, and it's funny because we're going to talk about that in a second. We have a guest on the show to talk about travel hacking, but before we get started, before we get into that, uh, if you guys have a question about personal finance, money management, income, debt, budgeting, investing, any of those things, or you just want to say hello, shoot us an email with your question, or like again, just say hello, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. Also, we want submissions for catchphrases at the beginning of the show. Uh, today's catchphrase is, life is a journey, travel it well. Does anyone know what that is, Andrew? Mm, no. It's from United Airlines mm. because of travel hacking today. But we want you guys to send them in via Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Money Matters Man. And we really want to hear from you guys today. We have Travis Sherry. Travis is one of the world's foremost experts in frequent flyer miles and has helped people travel to over 100 different companies. Or I'm sorry, 100 different countries for less than $100. And I'm going to have to ask about that. Uh, in a week, he'll be flying to Rio for the World Cup for five bucks. Brazil. His website is extrapackofpeanuts.com. So let's welcome Travis to the show. What's up, Trav? Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Do you mind if I call you Trav? Trav is perfect. <laughs> what are you drinking? Well, like you, I, I got to try to uh, keep this summer weight off or, you know, cut down for the summer. So I have a gin and tonic, but it, it's with diet tonic. I can't <laughs> afford those extra calories and tonic. Oh. <laughs> And, and I've got a water to cut that because I think I uh, dumped a little too much gin in my cup. So I want to be fairly sober by the end of the show. So what? I got a little water. What kind of uh, gin are you drinking? Well, the only thing I could find in my closet was Gordon. So that's what oh. I ended up drinking. But if any of your listeners ever want to send me a bottle of Blue Coat, Philadelphia's Thank you. Gin, Thank you I for would- bringing that up. Hey, I'd, I'd, I'd happily accept that, or we can go get a drink at some point in Philly and, and drink some Blue Coat together. Dude, we are definitely doing that. Blue Coat is my favorite gin. I have a bottle upstairs, half gone. I fucking love Blue Coat. And I've been Sweet, I'll be over tonight. Yeah, dude, I've been screaming about Blue Coat. It's a Philadelphia uh, small batch gin, and it's excellent. And it's cheap. It's like 50 bucks. Yeah, yeah. It's no more than your Bombay Sapphire right. and, and Tangeray and stuff like that. Uh, have you, ever, you, know, you're, you said you're from Philadelphia. I'm from Philadelphia. Uh, have you ever been to Franklin Mortgage and Trust? I never have, no. Do you, are you familiar with it? Yeah, I am familiar with it. I, I, I've never been there. Maybe you can sway me to go because <sighs> I've heard it's kind of like uppity, no? Like, it's uh, pretentious? Yes, for sure. It's like those, it's an upscale drink, you know, cocktail bar, but they, uh, they have like these awesome gin drinks with blue coat that they use. And yes, it's a speakeasy. So you wait outside and a guy, there's a bouncer. He's a really cool guy. And he like goes in to make sure there's tables and you know, you might be sitting out there for a half hour to an hour, but totally worth it. The drinks are there are awesome. And, uh, speaking of drinks, uh, we, uh, you know, Andrew and his wife went out drinking and came up with a bunch of travel questions, right? So the Mm. first question that you have on here, and this is something I need to, uh, I, I really need this advice. How do you booze it up on a flight for cheap? Yeah, good question. Um, Funny story. I actually don't really enjoy flying much, which, uh, of course, people come to my site and they see that I fly all over the world. 
Um, I, but I don't actually enjoy it. Like it's, I, I don't like being in the plane. I don't like the actual act of flying. I just enjoy getting to yeah, cool places and traveling. Yeah, so I don't usually drink too much on plane. Maybe that's my problem. Maybe I should actually drink more. But when I was a kid, I, I'd always get sick on flights. So I was like, now that I'm old enough to drink on planes, and you know, I, I kind of shirk that and say, well, I, you know, I don't want to add anything else into the mix here since I'm, you know, hopped up on Dramamine and stuff like that. <sighs> but if you do want to drink on a plane, there's a few ways. One, if you're flying internationally, um, most flights will give you free booze on on the flight. Um, wine, beer, uh, mixed drinks, really? stuff like Wh- that. Which, yeah. which ones are these? Now, th- your North American carriers, so like American Airlines, United, U.S. Airways, some routes they will give them to you, but most they won't. But if you're flying anyone else, like if you're flying Lufthansa, which is a German airline, or British mm-hmm. Airways, or you're flying to Asia with any of the Asian airlines, which are way better than the North American airlines, um, yeah, free drinks galore. Oh, I mean, shit. I yeah. had a flight to Australia, and I thought it was just that airline that no, gave like no. free drinks. <laughs> no, um, yeah, most airlines do. Uh, for example, and Singapore Airlines is is one of my favorites. It's probably the best airline in the world. Like, if you're in economy class, they kind of treat you like you're in business class, and business oh, is awesome. really awesome. And then first is you have like a suite and and like your own TV. Not that I've mm-hmm. ever flown up there, but. Um, but yeah, there they uh yeah I got the best Singapore sling I've ever had on that flight. I even went to the world famous Raffles Hotel where the Singapore sling originated, and it wasn't near as good as the one I had on the flight. Wow. So yeah, that's one way, man. You you know if you're on a flight, you know, and just ask like, are you guys giving alcohol for free? I and mean, they're going to tell you either yes or no. Um, if they're not, uh, you know, there's another way, and I just found this out. I've never tried it myself, but when you go through. You know, the TSA screening or whatever it is, you're allowed to bring, you know, they tell you three ounces of liquid. And mm-hmm. what no one thinks about is that three ounces of liquid can be any liquid, meaning alcohol. So those little mini uh, alcohol bottles you see when you oh, check out. Dude, if, yeah. if I went through with that, the security people would be like, this guy's a baller. Yeah. So, well, all his liquids are booze. Do yeah. You know, so, do you know that I own, that's how I, that's like the only liquids I carry are those little airplane bottles? Really? Yep. I get a giant Ziploc bag, the big court yep. ones or wherever, yep. however they let you. I fill that thing filled with scotch and whiskey. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm doing there that for go. Mexico. Yeah, like, you can reals. take it. So you can take, you know, in that court bag, like you said, that clear court Ziploc bag, you can usually fit eight, nine, ten of those little bottles, more than enough, you know, for a flight, hopefully. Yeah, because uh, toothpaste won't get me drunk. You know what right. I mean? I need, <laughs> and I, you know, you, you hate flying. I, like, I get anxiety on a plane really bad. So I basically have to drink myself into a coma before I get on the plane and while I'm on the plane. So uh, when I fly, having those bottles, which sometimes I won't drink because I'll be so tanked I don't need it, but just holding the bottle in my hand, knowing that if I take that in as high altitude that I'm at, that I'm in, I'll get drunk in like a second. Yeah. Yeah. So see, you already knew all this travel I, I hacking. Why I, am I even on this trip? <laughs> <laughs> I, knew th- I knew that trick, but I knew that trick because I went on a flight to – uh, I think it was Dallas and these two girls were sitting next to me and they, they just pulled out all these bottles. I'm like, how the hell did you get that on the plane? She goes, well, as long as they're, you know, under three ounces, you're fine. And I'm like, oh man, you just completely rocked my world. Yep. And they didn't offer me a bottle, which was kind of lame, but. And and they cost like two fifty each, right? And if you buy them on the, on the plane, it's like seven bucks. Oh um, yeah. It's ridiculous. So the only other way is uh chat up the flight attendants. I, I've had a few friends on long flights just say where they weren't giving out free, free alcohol. Um, 
my, my one buddy's like, I'm just going to go into the back and talk to the uh, flight attendants and try to get free wine. I'm like, okay. And he comes back with like five of those little bottles of wine and was like, yeah, they were really nice. They just, <laughs> you know, they get bored on long sure. flights. Dude. They talk yeah. to each other all the time. So he just went back, chatted him up, talked with him and said, hey, do you guys have any wine that, that I can have? <laughs> just oh, that's awesome. Wine. So there's another tip. Dude, so uh, I fly all the time with my wife and uh, even when I was flying with my family before I met her and I've never been in first class and I hear that like people, they get first class all the time, it's mm-hmm. for free, whatever. Yeah. Uh, how can I get a first class fancy seat without playing, paying like the fancy prices? Right. So first class, you know, usually if you're in a long flight, it's split up first business and, and then economy or, you know, coach, coach what, yeah. what we call it. Um, first is is awesome. I, I've actually never even been in first. I flow my parents back and forth in first using frequent flyer miles, which we'll talk about, you know, at another time. But the easiest way is if you have frequent flyer miles to use them for first or business class tickets because, they're not that many more miles, but if you were to buy it, it'd be like 10, 15 times the price. You know, you're talking like $15,000 so, for a flight. All right, all right, let me give you like an example. So I'm going to uh, Mexico with Laura, and I actually did use miles to get my ticket for free. Okay. And it was uh, 17500 and I don't even know if this is a good deal or not, but it was $17,500 from New York to uh, Playa del Carmen for one way. Like, How much do you think on top of that what I have to pay to make that first class. Right. So, so yeah, you're looking at like 35000 which is standard uh, for a round-trip ticket. If you were to go first class to Mexico, it pro- a good rule of thumb is to, to double it. Now, it's not usually double, though. Like, for that, it might be about 60000 And if anyone does, there's a really cool website out there called miles.biz, M-I-L-E-Z dot B-I-Z, which actually you could put in any from anywhere to anywhere, like you know, a destination and origin, and it'll tell you how many miles in a, in all these different airlines, American, United, and it'll tell you first business and, and coach. So, but yeah, mm-hmm. you, good rule of thumb, about twice as much, uh, maybe a little less than that. So, if you have a lot of miles, it's really easy to fly first. And like we said, it's probably ten to fifteen times more expensive to buy the ticket, but it's only twice as expensive in miles, and you know, it's free anyway if you have the miles. So that's one way to do it. Um, for sure. And, and business class usually isn't that much worse than first. So if it's substantially less miles, you might just want to, you know, if, you've, if you're used to coach and you go in business, you're going to be blown away. Like I've only ever done business. I haven't even gotten up to first and it's mm. still an amazing experience. So um, yeah, uh, the, the other way, if you're not using miles is again, just to chat up the people, like the flight attendants and, and the uh. gate people, all of them have the power if there's open seats to, to kind of pick if they want to upgrade someone, you know? And um, a buddy of mine who flies a ton, actually, you know, he started giving out chocolates to like flight attendants and gate people, not because he wanted to get upgrade all the time, but because he was dating a girl who had been a flight attendant and just saw the kind of crap they went through every day, so you know? He, he would go up like to the, the gate or like people at the gate and just like give them a chocolate? Yeah, he just had like little boxes <laughs> of chocolate. Like not that's super, like, yeah, not That's really classy, dude. Yeah, not super expensive, you know, but he just, you know, he'd go up to gate people and be like, hey, you know, I know your job's really tough, uh, you know, or whatever. Here's some chocolates. Like, just want to say thank you for all the work you do. I I fly a bunch and I I know how much abuse you take or whatever, you know, and um, and he said like a, you know, something that came about because of this was that. You know, if they had seats open in business and first, you know, they'd remember him and they and they bump him up sometimes. And again, it didn't happen all the time. And he said, that's not why I did it. But, you know, uh, it goes a long way if you're just nice to people. Um, 
So that that's the other way, and, and I guess the third way then is if you're if a flight is overbooked and they ask you, you might have been in an airport before, and they ask, okay, who wants to go on the next flight? It might be an hour and a half later, two hours later. We're overbooked. We'll give you X, Y, and Z. Usually, it's like vouchers or or money or something like that. Sometimes they'll you could talk them into it if they say, you know, if you go on a flight an hour and a half later, um, we'll give you two hundred dollars worth of U.S. Airway you know, vouchers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can say, well, yeah, I'll do it if you can bump me up to first or business for that flight too. And and that can happen too. So if it's a long flight, you know, it might be worth it to spend an hour, hour and a half in the, in the airport to have 10 to 12 hours of, you know, luxury. You know, my friend went, we, me and my friend went to Dallas and he had flown separately and he's a, a military vet. So he, even though this had nothing to do with it, he said he went up to the gate and just said, Hey, is there a possibility I can go to first class? And they gave it to him, right? And I that said, sounds lucky. That sounds well, like super. As soon as I said something to him, I said, "Oh, it's because you're a military." Like that. Like they saw your ID and they were like, "Oh, he's you know military ID." He goes, "No, they didn't see my ID." He's like, "Just no one asks. Like no one goes up to them and says anything." He's like, I "So think- just he's like he's like it's stupid for you not to ask every single time. Like what's the harm in asking?" Yeah, I think that's very, very valid because, again, th- like you said, no one asks because no one thinks it's going to work. So if you ask and they say no, then you go back. You know, you've wasted five seconds of your time. So never hurts to ask. The other way is if you do fly a lot, you can get miles, uh, like points towards elite status. And if you are an elite, now this takes a lot longer, but if you fly a lot and you go to the same airline, make sure you're collecting those miles for elite status. And if you're elite, then you'll be some of the first people to get bumped up. If you're flying coach and they see, oh, he's silver, he's gold, or he's platinum, um, you know, they'll, they'll come up and say, hey, do you want to get bumped up? Um, so that's another way. Hmm. Uh, all right, well. So uh, I, I'm just going to totally, like, butt in. Please, right now. please but, butt uh, in, Andrew. <laughs> please. Yeah, so uh, one, one of the other things that, like, really peeves me out, like, uh, I, I have a, Huh? What? <laughs> Sorry, I'm what? having a peeve. That really, pe- that really <laughs> pees me uh, off. A pet pee. You know what really grinds my gears? There you go. <laughs> uh, so I, I have this great fidelity card. Uh, you know, my, my debit card, they'll refund all my ATM fees. My, my fidelity Amex will give me 2% cash back on everything. But when I go overseas, I get like demolished on foreign, tra- foreign transaction fees. Like uh, my ATM will refund it. Uh, but I don't always want to do in cash, and if I'm out at an expensive dinner, like I don't necessarily have like a ton of cash on me. Uh, is what cards can I use to kind of avoid yeah, that? Lucky for us, uh, Americans, I should say, and every country this is kind of changing. But um, in the American credit card landscape, it's definitely changing. Most cards are now moving towards the the better cards, like the best credit card deals you see up there um, for people with excellent credit are moving towards not having foreign transaction fees. And that's because Chase came into the market and basically said, we want to steal a lot of market share from Amex. Um, and so Amex charges 3% when people use it broad. Yeah. We're going to charge nothing. And it's huge. I mean, huh. it, it's 3%. You know, if you're away on a vacation, you're usually spending a lot of money. Or if you travel all the time, it really adds up. So, And the foreign it, transaction it fees it doesn't cost them any more. Like it was just a way for them to make money. It wasn't because they were doing anything different. Right. So, Mm. um, yeah, there, my favorite card, um, is is called the chase Sapphire preferred. And that's probably the best travel credit card. Anyway, uh, you earn chase points, which are really good because they can transfer to, to United and you can use them as miles or you can buy your ticket with, with, 
you know, kind of like their currency and it has no foreign transaction fees. It's just an overall awesome card. Um, it has a chip in it, a pin and chip now. So if you go to Europe, what you'll notice so you is like a, a lot fool. of... Yeah, a lot of credit cards won't work there if they're the older credit cards. So if you get that yeah. pin and chip, I was just there for the last two months. Uh, it worked everywhere I was at. Um, definitely get a card with no foreign transaction fee. Chase Sapphire Preferred is the Is there the a yearly fee on that? There is a yearly fee. So a lot of the best cards will have a yearly fee. Um, I think it's like $89 a year, but you are getting... Other, there are other perks that come with it as well. So they kind of negate the, the yearly fee. Um, you can find ones, though, that don't have a yearly fee. So like the lower level version of that is called the Chase Freedom. Mm-hmm. Now, it won't get you as many points when you sign up. Like instead of 40000 you get 10000 um, But it also has no foreign transaction fee. So there are ones that if you're like, you know, I just want a card, a real simple one, don't want to pay a fee, you can get that. If you want one that's going to get you better rewards and probably be worth it in the long run, then then the Chase Sapphire prefer. But definitely get a car with no foreign transaction fees if you travel at all. And even if you don't use it when you're at home, just make sure you use it abroad because, yeah, 3% is, is ridiculous. And like you said, you yeah. don't want to be carrying cash around everywhere. I just lost my wallet when we were in Paris. Luckily, I, I don't carry a lot of cash for that purpose. I'm right. pretty disorganized like that. So, you know, you don't want to be carrying around and lose a thousand bucks. If you lose a credit card, you call them, you cancel it, right. and, and you get them to send you a new one. So, I hear everyone talking about that Chase Perf- Sapphire card. Yeah, it's, I, it's, it's like, the best. It's really popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So, here's the deal. <laughs> I, I, tra- like, booking flights for me is probably the most stressful thing I can think of. I what's the like what website do you use to travel to book flights? All right, so I'll tell you there's a really cool website that Google bought a few years ago um called the ITA Matrix and what it is is it's kind of like I've never back- heard of this. Yeah, I'm like well, you, super intrigued right now. Yeah, it's really neat. So um you can't actually I'll start with the bad part. You can't actually book the flights through this website, but it will show you all the flights and the prices and then you'll what I usually do is you can recreate it in in kayak or orbits i usually use kayak no real reason other than i think it's pretty user friendly mm-hmm. um but the ita matrix what it does is it will show you all the flights like it, it just allows you to be more flexible like you can put in you know i want to fly to philly or any airport within 250 miles of philadelphia and it'll it'll put them all in instead of like in kayak you'd have to put in like philly new york yeah, you know yeah. um and then i want to fly on this day or any day 20 days from there. So it, it just, and then show you calendar views of all the different flights. So it basically takes all the information and shows it to you so that you can say, all right, well, if I have flexibility, then here's what I can get. And then you see, all right, well, if I left uh, in three days instead of today, it's going to be $400 cheaper. So I always use the ITA matrix as a great baseline to, to just see what's out there. Um, get your bearings because if you don't know what you should be expecting to pay for that flight and they do constantly change so that's hard to know then you're not going to know what's a good deal right like you might see something that says oh you know Philly to Istanbul 600 bucks and you might think oh that seems expensive well in reality that ticket's probably usually a thousand bucks you're getting a mm. great deal so if you don't know what the baseline is what's kind of the normal price you're not going to know when you're getting a good deal so definitely use the ITA matrix and then to book it uh, you can go to Kayak, or if you see it's on American Airlines, you know it'll show you all the the carriers that you'll be flying. And if it's like an American Airlines flight, you can usually easily recreate it in American Airlines, like AA.com, 
by just putting in the dates that you found there and the places that you found to travel from. It, it just pulls it from those sites, so it should exist on those sites to buy it then as well. I, so, yeah, uh, I, just I, I don't know if this is like the, the same. It's like two questions, but it, it might be the same answer. Like, uh, do you then use the ITA matrix to find the proper day to, to buy the ticket to a certain place? And then I guess the question would be like, is there like a better day or time or month or something or, or months before the trip to buy a ticket? Like, how do you kind of get the best deal? Yeah, great, great question. So the ITA matrix will show you, it, it won't show you like, hey, if you buy tomorrow, the prices are going to drop, but it will. So it, it'll only show you the real time, what the price is right then. Um, so it won't help with that really. But as far as like kind of general rules of, of when to fly and what's going to be cheaper, you know, it, it's not um, like kind of an upward slope, right? Like if you buy early, it's not always going to be cheaper than if you buy last minute. You know, it, it ebbs and flows and peaks and valleys constantly. Um, so what's really cool is a lot of these websites, you can set up flight alerts too. Like you can say, I'm looking for this ticket. You know, here's what the price is right now. It's $700, but I'm not going to buy it. But if it drops below 600 I want to buy it. So you can set up like email alerts. Like I know Kayak allows you to do it. Right. I'm sure Hipmunk is another one that allows you to do it. So that's one way to, you know, if if you're flexible and you don't need to buy it and you're just thinking, I do want to do this eventually, that's one way to do it. Um, it's always cheaper to fly. The cheapest day to fly is almost always going to be a Tuesday because all the business travelers have already flown on Monday. You know, leisure mm. travelers aren't usually going to fly on Tuesday because they want to get a weekend in. Um, so Tuesday, Wednesday are generally going to be your cheapest days to fly. You know, obviously, you know, peak season is usually going to be more expensive. Getting to Europe, you can probably get there in the winter for 600 bucks, 650, 700 bucks. If you try to go in the summer, you might be looking at double that. So that kind of just follows common sense rules of like, when do people want to go to this place? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, regular supply and demand there. But yeah, look for Tuesdays, look for Wednesdays, set alerts. Um, and, and one thing I tell people is don't be afraid to look at other airports. Like for example, on the East coast with us guys, you know, we have tons of airports. Like you can fly out of Philly international, you can fly out of JFK, EWR, LaGuardia, but there's also city. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say there's also small airports like Atlantic city, like Trenton, like Wilmington, um, like Harrisburg, you know, Allentown, like there's all these, there's a ton of airports that people don't think about. Now, if you're going internationally, you probably can't go to those. I, and when I mean international, I mean like Europe and Asia. But if you're going Caribbean, uh, there's a, there's an airline out there called Frontier Airlines, and they're really blowing up because they they have really good deals if you book earlier. Right. Um, How about those? Yeah, they go out of Atlantic City. They go out of Wilmington. And what's really cool about those smaller airports is that usually parking is is either free or really cheap. Oh, wow. And it's really easy to get through because it's a small airport. So your flight might be the only flight leaving in the next three hours. So when you go through security... It's you and the uh, you know 150 people on your flight, so it's a it's usually a nicer experience to go out of small airports. And um, Atlantic City parking used to be free. I don't think it is anymore. I'm not sure, but yeah, th- it's just kind of a nicer experience. So don't be afraid to kind of cast your net further out um, and look for different airports to fly out of because you're going to find some gems that way. Andrew, we have to tell Laura to do that for our vacations. I was just going to say, like, because. Uh for for Matt and I, like we're gonna go to FinCon later this year and, and uh podcast movement, you know, two conferences. So we, we need we're gonna book our, our hotels, like we need to go and be there by a certain date. Like if we do price alerts with kayak, like how do we 
know when to pull the trigger. Like I, I don't want to set like a threshold at like two hundred dollars and then never meet it and get screwed. Yeah. Like how do we? Yeah, yeah. That I, that's right. That's a good. You need to have a balancing act with that. If if you need a ticket, obviously some of these tips aren't going to work as well because you need a specific day or you know a specific set of days, and you have to go no matter what. Right. So if it's something like that, what I would do is I'd set a price alert, and then I would just keep checking back. You know, I, you know, you or set your price alert threshold a little higher. I you know, and because you're going to need it as opposed to you know I just want to go there. Um. But yeah, if you use ITA Matrix again, that'll show you the baseline of like, all right, here's what a normal ticket is. That way, if you if you're going to fin, FinCon or you're going to the podcast movement and you're like, all right, a normal ticket's three hundred bucks. Why just sell one for two twenty five? Okay, well, it's probably not going to get that much cheaper. Like, let's say it did go down to one ninety. Like, is that that big of a deal to you? You might as well just get it and have it and right. know, all right, I got a good deal there. Um, so that that's definitely what I would do if if you need a ticket and. Generally, with that, unless you're looking like a year and a half in advance, the earlier you look, usually the better. Uh, you know, you can get really good last minute deals, but that's not for the people who need to get somewhere. That's for people like mm -hmm. me who say, oh, you know, I'm going to go to Belgium tomorrow because there was a really good last minute deal and who cares, right? So yeah. um, if you need it, yeah, the sooner the better, generally. So, um, we're we're like uh, serial travelers. We want to eventually see the world. Uh, do you know like of any places that are like not super expensive right now that uh, like we should kind of like get on before they become too popular? Yeah, that's a great question um, because it's constantly changing, right? Like um, I, I would say. Some of the places that a lot of people want to go that they don't realize as cheap as they are, uh, Spain is, is, if you're going to Western Europe, Spain and Portugal are going to be the cheapest countries you can go to. I mean, we're talking, you know, almost half the price of a London, of a Paris, of an wow. Amsterdam. Um, so, and, and, you know, a lot of people want to go to Western Europe, but that's the kind of the first place they might want to go as Americans. You know, it's close and easy to get to if you're on the East Coast, things like that. So Spain and Portugal... Definitely are great choices, um, especially, you know, with the recession in Spain and, and the economy not doing well in Spain and Portugal. You can get some really good deals. Actually, Turkey is a, is a pretty big destination. Istanbul. Oh, we went to Turkey. It was like, okay. it was like our greatest trip. I love Turkey. Okay. Yeah. I actually have never been, but the Turkish lira just like took a nosedive against the U.S. dollar in the last five months. And so it was already fairly cheap. You can attest mm. to that. It's not that expensive yeah. by our standards. Um, but it just it dropped like 30% recently. And so obviously, then you're getting an even cheaper deal there. Uh, Greece, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this knows like the, the issues with the Greek economy. That's mm. a lot cheaper. Um, that's some of the places. Now, if you're looking at Europe as a whole and you spread your, uh, your net out wider, I just got done uh, hanging out in Eastern Europe for a long time. And that is about half the price of Western Europe. So we're talking, you know, Vienna is kind of the beginning, anything past Vienna. So like I was in Slovakia, which a lot of people are thinking like, what the heck is Slovakia? But yeah. um, really cool country, really cheap. Um, we went, you know, Prague, a lot of people are more familiar with. That's kind of the jewel of Eastern Europe and the easiest, like the most Western Europe place in Eastern Europe, if that's, if you could and say it, it that way. And it's cheap there? Yeah, it's cheap. I mean, you're talking maybe two dollars for a beer, a dollar fifty for a beer. Oh, wow. uh, you can get meals for six, seven, eight bucks. It, it, you know, sit down, nice meals. It's cheaper in Slovakia because it's not as touristy. We're talking like a dollar for a beer. 
Um, I was just in Croatia. Croatia is starting to become a little more expensive. It's it's right across the sea from some from Italy, so a little similar to to Italy, um, but not as expensive. But that that's been blowing up, so that's gotten more expensive. Um, and the last place I could really mention is going to be Southeast Asia. Um, if you want to talk cheap and an awesome experience, we're actually heading back there in November or October to, to spend like three or four months again and kind of bunk down there. But Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, um, Malaysia, uh, Indonesia, Bali. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of Bali, you yeah. know, an island in Indonesia. It is fantastic. Uh, the, you know, we're talking, you can get a beer for 80 cents or a dollar. You can get an <laughs> awesome meal for two or three dollars max. I mean, you know, like the best. A lot of people like Thai foods. So we're talking like the best pad Thai you've ever had, or the best pineapple fried rice, or whatever it is. Two, three bucks max. Uh, you can stay wow. in really nice hotels for twenty-five, thirty bucks a night. You can stay in resorts, not the super upscale ones that are owned by like an American companies because they jack up the prices. But we stayed right. at a resort for seventy dollars a night in Bali. That wow. was. It, it costs you five hundred bucks a night in in North America. But you mentioned Europe. you mentioned you were staying in Southeast Asia for three months, four months. You're not well, staying, that that's the that's the plan. I, you're I not don't staying know. in a hotel for that long, are you? No, no, no. We have a one way ticket out there. What we will probably do, and this is another way, if people want to travel more longer term or longer trips. I always tell people don't do the hotels. You know, they're fine for a couple of nights, but don't do the hotels. Look into renting apartments um, or places that you can get really great deals for long-term stays like guest houses and things like that. So when we go to Indonesia, uh, you know, if we're there for a month, we'll rent an apartment for a month. And, and we just did that in Croatia. So to give you an idea, it was like a two-bedroom uh, apartment, really nice. Furnished? Uh, two minute, uh, yeah, furnished, completely furnished, really nice, two-minute walk to the beach. And we paid $500 for three weeks. Um, what? Yeah. So, you know, the asking price, they were asking $75 a night. But if you're going somewhere for a long term, you can say, hey, I'm going to be in here for three weeks. You don't have to worry about me. You know, you don't have to worry about new people coming in. So a lot of people will cut you really great deals if you approach them mm-hmm. and say to them, I want to be here long term. Because to them, you know, they're still getting, they know they're getting their $500. They don't have to worry about people not being in there. Um, we got it through Airbnb, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. Um, but there's a bunch of other apartment rental sites popping up. But that is the way to go. Apartments are the way to go for anything, in my mind, over two or three days. Because, you know, you, you usually have your own washer and dryer. You have your own kitchen. It's, it's like being at home, except you're somewhere better than home, usually. Um, I have so, this, uh, yeah, I have this dream uh, it's not really a dream. I think I want it to come true, and I could do it today if I wanted to. I want to live in uh, Colorado for three or four months. But so is, it it. More exp- is it more expensive to stay in this? Because it, it sounds like to me when I talk to people, oh, go live in Mexico. It's so cheap to live. But when as soon as you try to travel somewhere in the United States, it's just that much more expensive. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, the Southeast Asia is super cheap. I think people should get there before it. It's never going to become up. super expensive because it's already starting to blow up. And, and you know, I, I hear travelers who have been there for like 10 years saying, remember when it was like $2 for a meal? Now it's 3 I'm like, no, I don't because I wasn't here, but $3 is pretty sweet. You yeah, know? Um, yeah. So, but it, it, traveling in the U.S., it's going to be more expensive than those areas, but it, you could still use kind of the same tips and tricks. You know, if you go to, I would suggest if you want to be somewhere for long term, I mean, you could look on Craigslist, you can do stuff like that, um, and you can try to find sublets. But the other way is to go to someone on Airbnb. 
um, or um, Home Away is another one. And you, you know, they want people in there. If they're looking to rent their apartments, obviously they want some stability. So you can really bargain them down and you could say, hey, if I'm going to be here three months, you know, and you're having it at $80 a night, I'm not going to spend, you know, whatever that is, $2,400 a month. But why don't I give you $1,000 a month? I'm going to be here for three months and you don't have to worry about coming in and doing anything. Mm -hmm. Some people might go for that. Some people might not. But when we were in Croatia, I just emailed like 40 different people and asked them. And a bunch of people got back and said, yeah, you know, we're willing to cut your deal because you're staying long term. And then I just picked the one that, that worked better for us. Do you have any like rule of thumb on like how to bargain? Like, do you do like fifty percent of the cost, and that's kind of like your baseline? Like, how do you know like where to start at? Yeah, I would say you know what? I, it's funny how I started was all right. If I got it for this, would I be happy? And you know whether it's fifty percent, whether it's thirty percent, whether it's twenty. I mean, obviously, as you go lower in the percentages, they're less likely to say yes. But I just said okay, if I could get this place. For, I, I think I said 400 to the lady for three weeks. And she said, you know, like she wrote me back, like, we'd love to have you. How about 750? And I just said, listen, I, I'll give you 500. That's as high as I'm going to go. And she was like, sure. So hmm. I, you know, I didn't, I actually didn't use any number of like, hey, 50%, I'm going to cut it in half. I just went with, all right, what would I like love to get it at? And then what would I be happy with? And then I just told her that. And, you know, if you tell them, this is as high as I can go and they don't want to do it, then that's fine. And then you move on to the next person. But, you know, I wouldn't like take hours and days going back and forth with someone to save a hundred bucks if it's over a month. You know, mm-hmm. I would just say, here's what I can do and go with that. And I would just use what you feel comfortable with. And um, you're going to find some really, really great steals with long-term accommodations. It's a lot more people are trying to live this digital nomad life and, yeah. and they can work independently regardless of where they live. Uh, I'm lucky enough to be able to do that as well. So it's a really cool way to travel, but actually have some semblance of normalcy and, and be able to get work done and hang out and enjoy a place rather than, hey, two days here, two days here, two days here type thing. And that's the thing. Like I have a, a friend of mine and I are, are taking a road trip out to Colorado in July. And we're staying in Colorado, I think, for like six days, five days, and we're we have to get a hotel because we can't. He thought he he said to me, "Would you be cool if I try to get like a an apartment on Craigslist?" And I said, "No, I would not be cool with that." <laughs> Should I? Am I being <sighs> ridiculous? Six days seems it's Craigslist seems like a lot of work for six days because you know it's anyone can put anything up there now. Airbnb um, is another, like we've mentioned, at least that has some, you know, people are putting stuff up there. There's pictures that you can see people who have reviewed it. You can see how many people have stayed there. Mm-hmm. It's much easier process, right? Craigslist can like can be anyone. So with Airbnb, even if it is some, if it's someone who's just put stuff up there and it's not a good place, it probably won't have good reviews. So I would, I wouldn't do Craigslist for six days. I might consider Craigslist for like a month or two or three. But again, it, it seems like a, a lot of work. But Airbnb, you go on and you can search anywhere and it'll show you all the places. And these are people, again, who have been vetted by other people who have stayed right. there. You can see pictures, mm-hmm. all that. So I would tell them, hey, you know, Craigslist, maybe not, but say, check out Airbnb, especially with another person, you know, or, or multiple people. I tell people, if you're traveling in like two couples or a family, apartments are going to be so much cheaper because if you need more than one hotel room, you know, the price doubles and triples. Like you don't get any deal by getting more hotel rooms usually. Whereas right. apartments, you know, a one bedroom might be 80% of a two bedroom, you know? So you're, mm. as you're adding people in, 
you're, you're saving money per person. So I would definitely go uh, the apartment route if you could. Six days is enough to, um, I would say, to look into Airbnb and see if there's stuff there that you would like that would fit with you. Cool. Uh, so I, I have one that I, that I kind of been saving, and I don't even I don't even know like what you're gonna say, but um, I, I'm like uh, I have a soft spot for like gadgets, like apps, like things like organized stuff, whatever. Like, I uh, do. You, do you have any like cool things that you bring with you, like when you travel, like beyond toothpaste and, and stuff like that? Yeah. Well, I would say, and this is totally not techie at all, but one of the biggest pieces of advice I try to give people when they're thinking, what should I bring, is I tell them, get a carry-on size backpack or rolling luggage, whatever suits your needs. I like the backpack because it's just easy. Um, and bring that with you because, and, and not anything else. Don't bring that backpack and then like two big suitcases. And people <laughs> tell me there's no way you could travel on a carry-on. I, I, I just did two months in Europe in all different types of climates. I did um, four weeks in China in February from, you know, 80, 85 degrees all the way down to like 40 degrees. And I only brought my carry-on. And it's a, it's a wait, wait, so you only brought the backpack or you mean like yeah. a suitcase that'll fit in, in above the... Yeah, so it, it was a backpack now, but it's bigger, right? It, it's not like um, like a traditional school bag. Like a hiker's backpack, backpack or something. Yeah, and I tell people, huh. and, and with that, I, I never get the hiker's ones. I always get the ones um, because those, to get really nerdy on you here, those are top-loading, right? So you put everything in through the top, and they're really a pain in the butt whenever you try to get stuff out because you have to like tear through everything. If you get what is called like a travel backpack, and I, I use one called the Tortuga backpack. I don't know. Maybe that'll get linked in the show notes, but if anyone wants to find it, they can go Tortuga backpack. How do you spell um, Tortuga, by the way? Uh, T-O-R-T-U-G-A. So I, used it's, to, I used to sell those. Okay. Oh, yeah? I used to work for luggageonline.com. All right. Well, so yeah, so the Tortuga backpack, what they've done is, is these guys have made a backpack that is is pretty square and it is the perfect size carry-on. Like it will fit in one of those things when you're at an airport. Hey, does your bag fit in here? But it's it's optimized to give you the most space because it's square, it's not rounded, anything like that. Um, and I've, like I said, that was four weeks in China, uh, two months in Europe. I fit everything I needed. And here's how I tell people to do it. I say, all right, what do you need for one week? All right. You can do laundry anywhere that you are in this world. So pack what you need for one week. Don't overpack. And having a small backpack means you can't overpack. Um, and go from there because, you know, I see people all the time packing stuff like, well, I haven't worn this in three years, but I found it in my closet. I think it'd be perfect for this trip. Well, why is it going to be perfect for the trip if you haven't packed, if you haven't worn it? In three years? Right. So um, <laughs> it's going to save you a ton of money, A, because all airlines are starting to charge for um, checked bags now. Yeah. So it's going to mm -hmm. save you money. You can get up and go whenever you want. You just throw it on your back, you know, and you don't have all this mental baggage or luggage, whatever you want to call it, weighing you down. I mean, you have your stuff, you go, you enjoy it. It's a lot easier to get out and go. Um, so that that's one of the tips I have. Again, not not techie by any means, um, but I'm able to do it, and I have to carry around my my computer um, and and all kind of our tech gear, like my microphone for my podcast and stuff like that. So if I can do it in that, you know, if you're just going with your clothes and a few extras, then I think anyone anyone can do it. Um, but as far as stuff that I always bring, one thing I always bring is 
obviously like a universal charger um, or not a charger, but like an outlet plug thing. And a lot of people don't think about that when they travel internationally for the first time. They just bring their electronics and then all of a sudden they can't use them because they won't plug in. <laughs> so always remember that. I also use uh, like a monster to go power strip, which which then will plug into that that converter and gives you like four or five outlets because a lot of places you stay you know won't have a ton of outlets and if you have if two people have iPhones and someone has an iPad and someone has a computer and you need a hair dryer whatever um yeah that's another thing that I always that's use. a good tip dude like I went to Spain with my wife and uh, we didn't bring like a converter and uh, I mean it's just like a plug that sits on top of the outlet. And so we need to charge our phones. So we go into the electronics store and we're trying to convey to them. We don't speak Spanish. How like this converter thing. I don't even know what the official name is. It took us like an hour to like explain so we can find out yeah. where. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just I guess they'd call it an adapter, a universal adapter, I guess. Um, but it's way e yeah, like you said, it's way easier to get it when you're in a country that speaks the <laughs> language. For us, luckily, as Americans, like usually they have one that will work. But um, yeah, it's just a pain in the butt to get. So get one that you know you can change the plug on the side that will plug into the wall. So it'll it'll work in a in a UK plug. It'll work in a European plug, an Asian plug, whatever. And then on the back side, basically anything can plug into it as well. So you're all set up with that. Definitely don't forget them. Um, something that again, not techy. This is almost on par with. Uh, toothpaste is I always, always bring earplugs though. Earplugs and the eye mask because you never know. Well, A, to sleep on the plane, it's really easy. Um, you put them in, you don't hear the crying babies and stuff, but you never know what your place is going to be like. We stayed at a really, really um, awesome, well, supposed to be really awesome hotel in Paris that ran $1,000 a night. And now we used our points to get it. But we thought this is going to be phenomenal. It's going to be the nicest place ever. Uh, it turned out it was, it was pretty crap, believe it or not. But the blinds did not, they just let in the sun. So at 5 a.m., uh. we're awake because these blinds were like a tablecloth. I, so, you know, little things that I've learned, like, all right, always have that with me because, you know, it's, it's just something easy to carry, easy to pack. I always put it in there. And um, the other thing I never take out of my bag, there, there's one, well, a few things. One of those chargers, the other, the earplugs and eye mask, and the other is a uh, travel towel because um, if you are traveling in apartments, usually they'll, they'll provide towels. But if you're staying in hostels or guest houses or you just you know want to go to the beach on a spur of the moment, you don't have towels with you, they're really small. They, they fold up really nice. And, uh, and they're like quick drying towels. You can get them at any, hmm. you know, outdoor store or online. You know, it's, you could put in like a travel towel or a dry, uh, a quick dry towel. Like a ShamWell? Um, yeah, more or less like a big ShamWell <laughs> okay. is what they are. Um, and they're perfect. They're, they are perfect. Uh, you know, and they're really small. So they don't take up a lot of room in your luggage. Whereas if you brought a real towel, it would, you know, take up half your backpack. So. Oh, I, you know, I have to ask, uh, and I'll be mad if I don't ask this. By the way, I just want to say that I always say I have to ask, and you make fun I of me. Know, you, you I know, I know, I know, I know. So uh, should I say I have to answer? You have to answer. <laughs> Put that in front of everything. Uh, so, all right. You said you don't like planes, and one of the biggest things that I wrestle with is the fact that I, I actually did not go on my senior trip to Disney World because I was so afraid of the airplane. Are you serious, uh -huh. dude? Yeah. That's um, I've I've flown I can tell you probably I didn't fly until I was about 25 and I get crazy anxiety on the plane so my right now my solution is to just get completely shit faced drunk before I walk onto an air an airplane and usually when I do I'm I'm completely fine I love it I stare out the window 
I, you know, I have to go to the bathroom a couple times, but it's... Do you get walked off by air marshals? No, I don't get to that belligerent level. It's just, I get enough to where it's like, I'm going to just pass out. And that's exactly what I want to do. How do you cope with it without drinking? Yeah, I, well, there's two ways. And, and this can go with what you should always bring on a trip to. I always, I have my laptop with me. I assume most people will probably travel with an iPad or a laptop or something like that. You know, I always preload movies, TV shows, whatever on it because you never know what type of in-flight entertainment you're going to get. And that's one way to, you know, take your mind off things. It, may, it might not be the best way. You know, passing out is probably a better way. Okay. Um, but I always preload stuff with, with entertainment so that I have that. The other way is I take, um, I, guess it, I guess it's called Dramamine, right? Yeah, the, I take the Dramamine. stuff. Yeah, stuff to, that will make me sleep. And um it usually works. Like I, I don't get super anxious anymore. I, I don't know if I ever did. I, I, I just used to get sick. I guess you know, kind of like motion sick, okay. altitude sickness. So for me, it wasn't really like all right. I'm scared to get on here. It's more like I don't like. I'll be sick for like a day afterwards because I won't feel well. Um, and and interestingly enough, I actually didn't go. It wasn't Disney World, but it was. Um, uh, my friends were all going to Australia. It's like not a senior trip. It was a, like an elective trip, but a pretty cool one. And my sister went. All my best friends went, and I didn't go because I didn't want to get on a plane. And that was my senior year. So, oh, um, yeah, yeah. And you know, there's there's way to get back. I would definitely bring Dramamine. I would definitely bring entertainment. Um, the Dramamine works pretty well for me. It'll usually knock me out. Um, if it's a really really long plane ride, like if I'm going to Australia, I'm going to Asia. I will try like the day before to not get a lot of sleep, you know, stay up doing huh. stuff so that when I get on the plane, you know, I'm I'm really pretty tired Exhausted, and and that yeah. usually helps as well. Yeah, see I I'm 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 kind of going back and forth whether I should just go to the doctor and say, "Hey man, I suck on airplanes. What do you got for me?" cuz I feel like the drinking like I've gone to I've got on a plane to go to Indianapolis, so what like a 2-hour flight and I just got completely wasted get on the plane pass out wake up and i'm in i'm in indianapolis shit-faced still because yeah, i right. only you know i'm like <laughs> and, I, and then i went out like as soon as I, I met these people for the first time as a business trip i go out with them and they're drinking more and i'm making a complete ass of myself by the end of the night and i'm like i there, there's got to be something else that's not you know alcohol but i also yeah. don't like pills so it's like i don't know i just ho- hope it's hoping there was something I, I do a lot of research before i go on every flight like i'll go on websites and learn how planes work you know because i know that puts me at ease and it's not like i don't have anxiety normally it's just on planes for some reason yeah i would say i mean i the drama means good for me it, it does knock you out and so you might be a little grog like if it's a two-hour flight you you might be a little groggy when you get there but that's probably better than being being drunk and and like you know, feeling awful the whole next day. So I don't know. I've never asked, so they might be able to give you something even stronger than that. And I would suggest if you're doing a long flight, yeah, you might want something like that. But the drama mean works really well for me. I have to try it out. Cool. You got anything yeah. else, Andrew? No, man, but this was a badass interview. Thank you. I, I gained like so much insight personally. <laughs> I, I'm seriously texting my friend right now and saying like, oh, we got to do this Airbnb thing. Like you go start looking for stuff because – uh, you know, he, he goes, he, I swear, he just emailed me back and he said, uh, well, I looked at Airbnb for our trip to Colorado and he said, it's really expensive. I'm like, no, dude, you got to like negotiate that stuff. So the, the, I guess the question is, do you like negotiate under the table and like, cause do they not want to use Airbnb or is that like that kind of the goal? 
Um, well, Airbnbs, their computer systems are super smart. I figured this out when I was trying to negotiate. I'd be like, hey, here's my email address. And then it would come up to them and would say email hidden. Or like, uh, they're, they're, so I, you can negotiate, but they can set the price. So if they say, all right, $75 a night, well, they can send you an offer. They could set whatever price they want. So they can send you like a special offer of $500 for three months, even if they're asking prices $75 a night. So you can you can negotiate right through Airbnb. You can say, hey, here's when we're coming. You know, we want to do six days, six nights, whatever it is. Um, you know, we're looking to pay this. So, and, and if they go for it, then they'll just send you the offer through Airbnb, mm-hmm. and then from there you you can go um, and and actually pay through Airbnb. So they still have the comfort of knowing uh, Airbnb is there to help them if there's any issues. You still have the comfort knowing that Airbnb is there that can help you if you have any issues, but you've gotten a better price. So okay. that's. That's how I negotiate it. Um, so you negotiate sure. through Airbnb. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, you might want to check out too. I like a lot of people hear the word ho- hostels and they think like, okay, grungy backpackers, you know, bunk beds, this and that. I think of the which, horror movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah or, or yeah. the horror movie, which is actually weirdly enough why I wanted to go to Slovakia. I didn't want that to happen to me, <laughs> but I saw that and I thought this this place looks kind of crazy, right? Um, uh, I did not watch it while I was there, though. I no. figured, yeah, best not to watch it, rewatch it. But yeah, true. Um, hostels, you know, they're really becoming pretty cool. Like a lot of them are like boutique hotels, really cool vibes. You meet a lot of other people. Uh, hostels aren't as big in the U.S. as they are in Europe and, right. and Southeast Asia and stuff. But you might want to check it out. You know, hostelbookers.com or hostelworld.com. They're now owned by the same company, so they'll give you the same results. But, uh, you know, you can find cheap stuff. If you want to spend stay in a dorm, you can find it real cheap. But you can also get private rooms. Like me and my wife are at the point now where we're 31 and we're not, like, staying in dorms. So right. <laughs> we'll get a private room. But you still get the cool feel of, hey, it's it's social. There's other travelers around. You know, they're really – the staff is usually really eager to help you out. They might do – different things each night like hey we're going to do a pub crawl or we're going to do this tonight or they offer special deals on tours stuff like that so it's it's a pretty cool uh, we've stayed in hostels all over the world and um most of them have been really really good and again on those sites they'll give reviews so you can kind of get a feel for what it's like before you book it you know someone might say this is a complete party hostel well if you don't want that then you don't book that you know mm-hmm. um so definitely Travis, check it out you are a wealth of information do you have traveling. any yeah do you have any more like, hacks <laughs> I, I've got a ton, man. <laughs> How much time do you have? Yeah, um, I, I would just say just a few two, big ones that you think the, are like killer. Yeah, the two biggest things uh, that are expensive when you travel are going to be your flights and your accommodations. And we've uh-huh. talked a lot about accommodations. Look at apartments. Um, if you're really going to do long term stuff and you don't want to spend any money, uh, house sitting is another thing, which is huh. basically you go into someone's house who's away and you, sometimes it requires like taking care of their dog. Sometimes it just requires being in the house because they want someone there. Um, a friend of mine runs a, runs a really big site, the, the biggest one now called trustedhousesitters.com. It's just cool. Um, you you can you know there's places for a week there's places for a year there's places indefinitely because they're trying to sell the house and they just want someone in there living in it um, all over the world so that's for people who really want to kind of you know not spend any money and go somewhere for a while so check out house sitting like I said apartments hostels don't be afraid to kind of look at things other than big box hotels like Marriotts Hyatts um, things like that so that's what I'd say for accommodations and then. Um, for flights, uh, you know, if at some point we do another show with the frequent flyer miles and stuff, uh, you know, we can talk at length about that. But yeah. if you are someone who who wants to start, I mean, I'm going to Rio for five bucks. That's because I use frequent flyer miles for that ticket, and I only have to pay the taxes, which came out to five dollars. So my buddy's taking the same type of flight, and he's paying fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars. So 
yeah, people hear frequent flyer miles, they think I have to fly a lot to get them. But I've earned over 2 million frequent flyer miles in three years, and only 1% of them were from flying. All the rest were through credit cards and good deals and different things like that. So if that's something you want to know more about, there's a wealth of information on the site and, and things like that. And that's uh, extrapackofpeanuts.com. Right. And uh, you're going to Rio for the World Cup. Are you a soccer fan? Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm a huge sports fan. So anytime there's an event, I just want to be there. And right. I figured, all right, Brazil, soccer, you know, does it get better than this? So, right. um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a soccer fan, but I wouldn't say I'm, I'm like a crazed soccer fan. I just So you're not a son of Ben. I am not a son of Ben. No, I've never been to a union game. You've never been to a union game? <laughs> I have not. I have not. They're fun. I've been to a couple. Yeah, I'll have to go at some point. I, I have, I did, uh, I did go to a soccer game in Croatia when I was just there last month, where they were throwing flares onto the field and setting the seats on fire. So, <laughs> I, pretty cool what? experience. <laughs> They're a little wild over there. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you for being on the show. My pleasure. This is awesome. So, and we're definitely gonna, you're gonna have you, you're gonna have you come back on and do frequent flyer. Yeah, we wanted to kind of like segment it, so it was like hacks and then points. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, there's a lot to talk about with the frequent flyer miles, um, and I, it's just a lot of information, so I think that works out well. Cool. All right, well, ass, dude. All right, well, uh, again, thanks for hanging out with us. And, guys, remember, if you have any questions, uh, yeah, if you have questions about traveling, send them over to listenmoneymatters at gmail.com, and if you don't mind, travel, just pass it along your way. Sounds perfect. Cool. And if they come to the site and have questions, uh, you can find my email there. Either way, all right, we'll excellent. Get answers. Cool. And, listen, if you guys like the show, Leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen. Super important. We're climbing the ranks. We're going to beat Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman and Jim Cramer and Money Girl and all these guys. We are number 10 today, so we want to keep climbing up that ladder. And I actually want to read a, 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 a review that we found on iTunes from Diplomat Dave. That's appropriate, right? Oh, this is my buddy, Diplomat Dave. Diplomat Dave, personal yeah. finance, five I mean, stars. not my personal buddy, but we've been talking. He's cool. cool. So I started listening to the podcast looking for a personal finance advice and tips. Listen Money Matters offers great, simple financial advice while at the same time keeping the conversation fun, interesting, and applicable. I now listen to them daily, and I highly recommend LMM to anyone on a financial spectrum interested in being better with their finances. So keep up the good work, guys. Thank you, Diplomat Dave. That's awesome. And guys, look um, – we always talk about Betterment. We didn't mention Betterment on today's show, but Betterment's awesome because it helps you to invest very, very easily. And if you go to listenmoneymatters.com slash Betterment and you get an account, you will get $25 for free to start. And that, and even, and even if you just kept that $25 in there and let it grow, it's free. You might as well do it. So last but not least, if you guys uh, want to learn more about personal finance and money management, we are always writing new stuff and posting up New episodes of this show at listenmoneymatters.com. And for the full show, you can listen online at listenmoneymatters.com slash show. So that's it. Trav, thanks again for hanging out with us. And we look forward to the next episode. So later, guys. Later, man. Later.